You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Well, this is our last lesson in the series, Resisting the Devil. At the beginning, I told you we would probably do 20 episodes, and I'm going to get it all done in 15, but these are 15 very important episodes. So let's go to our text for today. This is James 4.7. I'm reading a translation that I don't use all the time, but it's an excellent translation. Uh, It's one that I use a lot in study. It's not necessarily the best in doing a lot of teaching because it's very, very wordy, but it does, because of its wordiness, help you to wrap your mind around what's really being said. Uh, James 4, 7b, this is Kenneth Wiest, and it says this, Stand immovable against the onset of the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, the devil flees from those who resist him by faith. He doesn't uh, flee because he's insulted. He doesn't flee because we don't like him. He doesn't flee because we pray to God against him. A lot of people do that. That's totally unscriptural. Nowhere in the New Testament are you told to pray against the devil attacking you. The only thing that you could even remotely say is when Jesus said that lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. But four times in the New Testament you are told as a believer to do something to resist the devil. Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. Mark 16, in my name shall they cast out devils. James 4.7b, resist the devil, he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5.9, whom resist steadfast in the faith. So he, he, we are the ones who are told to resist the devil. The word flee is what he does, and it is from the Greek fugo. And from this word, we get the word English word fugitive. And it means to vanish, stand up to the devil, and he will turn and run. That's the New English Bible version. So it means that he will actually clear the area. He doesn't just uh, move off a few paces and stand back and watch, uh, but he actually leaves the premises. So that's very important to know. Now, the adversary is not a roaring lion, but he masquerades as one in hopes that he can win by fear. And so he comes to you through the power of suggestion. And this is important for you to know. The devil's not in you. If you're a born-again child of God, the devil's not in you. Does he speak to your mind? Absolutely. But he's not in your spirit. Uh, John writes in his epistles and makes it very clear that the wicked one touches you not. He's not in your spirit. Uh, He would like to be, but he can't be because the greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. God and the devil are not living in the same house at the same time. God wouldn't do that. Can the devil talk to you? Yes, he can. Uh, I had a girlfriend I was very jealous of when I was younger, and she's very pretty, and uh, I didn't even like guys talking to her, but I realized I couldn't stop that. I couldn't do anything about it. As long as she was at school, there were going to be guys talk to her. Uh, Now, if if somebody started working on her to ask her out, that was another thing altogether. But but I couldn't stop them from talking to her. You can't stop the devil from talking to your mind. He will plant suggestions in your thought life. 
You can't totally stop that. You can rebuke that to the point that it stops for a season. Now, it may take a while for you to turn this. Very often what happens is Satan wants to see how serious you are about this because he knows that he can outlast a lot of believers, that they only say this thing for a few times, and if they don't see it work like a magic wand, they give up and quit. And uh, you have to be determined. I will use the Word of God for as long as it takes. Listen, I had a faith battle with my oldest daughter when she was nine years old. She fell and developed a huge blood clot on her brain. She was very near death. I spent two days speaking the Word of God over her. Now, we did take her to the hospital, and we did seek medical treatment. They did evacuate the blood clot, but she was still in a danger zone for two days. And for two days, under my breath, quietly, I said this, Jesus said, If you say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast to the sea. Shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe those things you say will come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. Therefore, I say, my daughter will live and not die. I say that the surgery will be successful. There will be no after effects. None of the things on the documents they made me sign uh, that were possible to come on her because of this type of surgery, none of that's going to happen. And we will go home from the hospital early. And the reason I wanted to go home from the hospital early is because it was Christmas. And so, and we spent Christmas at home. So I, I rebuked the devil. And I had put that verse in me 20 years before. I don't know that I had ever used it in any kind of battle situation, but I used it that time. And it worked because I was not willing to let go of that verse. And you know where a lot of people get into trouble? When they come into a trial, they begin to ask the question, why is this coming? Why did God let this happen? Why is this happening to me? That's the worst thing you can do. Because when you're in the trial, you're in the trial. Figuring out how it started... <coughs> is a de facto acceptance of its legitimacy. So if I begin to spend all this time saying, well, why did this happen? Why did this happen? I'm in effect saying it's okay that it happened because I'm asking why it happened. You can't do anything about it once it's happened. Forget that. You may find out later why it happened. Sometimes I have had trials that came, and it was years later. I saw the reason for them. But when the trial is going on, Unless the Holy Spirit convicts you and convinces you of a very specific act of sin that you committed, and if he does, it can be erased, it can be forgiven, it can be cleansed, because your conscience and the Holy Spirit working through your conscience will not belabor this point. There will be a, a pricking of the conscience, and then you get rid of this, and then you stand up and resist. I didn't have anything like that. I just knew it was an attack of Satan, and I stood my ground, and we won. And I was willing to stand as long as it took, and the devil knew that. All right, now the adversary is not a roaring lion. We said that yesterday, but he masquerades as one in order that he wins by fear. And that's exactly what he wants to do. I want to read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now, the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damim. 
This is trespassing. And so Goliath is on enemy territory. He has come into the land of Judah, which God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they have a God-given right to evict him because he's on their territory. They weren't straying into Philistine territory. Philistines came to them. And the scripture says that a champion, in verse 4, went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He was a giant. He wasn't technically or genetically a Philistine. He was a Rephaim. The Rephaim, according to Genesis, were under a special curse from God. And so they were to be driven from the land. Not only that, God said, I will curse him who curses you. That's what God said to Abraham. So Goliath is in trouble here on a number of counts. He's a trespasser. He's Rephaim. He is cursing the seed of God, and he is in big time trouble. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. All of this means nothing to us. But if you lived in the day and understood this, it would be very telling to you, saying, man, this guy is very strong. He had bronze armor on his legs, bronze javelin between his shoulders. The staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. I mean, and he stood and he cried to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out and to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. Now, he goes on to say, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. It worked. The devil was using words, suggestions, no doubt their imaginations were running away with them, and they were terrified of this giant. Everything that he said was a bald-faced lie. It was a bald-faced lie. Because when David went out and killed him, the Philistines did not lay down their weapons, and they did not say, we have to honor the words of Goliath. He said that whoever kills me, uh, we'll, we will be his servants. They didn't do that. They turned and ran and fled. They're ball-faced liars, and that's the way Satan always operates. He's a ball-faced liar, and that's how you deal with him. You play by your rules that God sets down, but you do not let him run over you. You have a backbone and some resolve, and it doesn't come from your own determination. It comes from the strength of God. God had been working through David. God had anointed David. God had been preparing David because he had killed a lion and a bear uh, in the same way that he would ultimately kill Goliath. But what I want you to see is that this intimidation worked because there was not a single person in Israel, as is the head, so is the bulk of the army. And Saul was cowardly and afraid. Why was that? Because Satan had a foothold in his life. Neither give place to the devil, Ephesians 4.27. Saul gave place to the devil. He had been consulting witches. He had turned from obeying God. He didn't consult the Lord anymore. Uh, Saul was a mess. And there was a spirit that came into his life because of his disobedience. And he did not resist it. 
If he had walked righteously before God, he would have been the man. This is the reason that God waited to send David for 40 days. 40 is the number of probation in Scripture. So this 40-day stretch was an opportunity for Saul to go down there and fight Goliath. Saul could never say to God, to the God of Israel, you are unfair. This should have been my fight, but you wouldn't let me do it. You sent another man in before I had a chance. He couldn't say that. Twice a day for 40 days, 80 different encounters were possible, and Saul never took up a one. Wow. Very important to know. Now, what is the devil wanting to do? Well, I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I want to show you what he's doing. For though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, we do not war according to the flesh. Now, in the Old Testament, they did war according to the flesh. What they did were concrete pictures of the battles that we fight. And I'm so glad for all those physical illustrations because they help us to wrap our minds around the character of God. When I hear someone uh, just tear down the Old Testament, I think, man, how foolish is that? How foolish is it to disavow the Old Testament? Because the things that are written therein are pictures of fights that you and I face. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not natural, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds, and I will get into this in depth in our next series, is that they are the aim of the devil. The devil would love to build a stronghold in you. Casting down arguments, and the King James says imaginations. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Satan wants to use your own imagination against you. And that's what's going on here with the armies of Israel. And because Goliath is talking in detail, he's describing in detail everything that he intends to do. Uh, he wants to capture the imagination of all of these men who are listening. And so you can see how Satan wishes to work. He wants to use your imagination. Today, we have a, a huge problem with pornography, for instance, in America. But it's interesting to see that Satan is throwing pictures out. Now, I remember when pornography first hit the mainstream in America, uh, you had to go ask for it in a drugstore. And if you weren't old enough to buy it, you couldn't get it. Uh, I had an older cousin who took me to the back of a drugstore and lifted up a brown paper uh, wrapper over a pornography magazine and showed me pictures. I saw it just, but he didn't do it long because the owner of the drugstore would come and see it. So he f showed me this was there. I didn't even know such things existed. And But today, kids have access to this on their phones. This is the reason that we have more sin today is because our imaginations are more vulnerable today because the spreading of images is so very uh, prolific in our culture. And so that's why you need to watch what you allow your kids to see. And you don't apologize over it. I'm going to tell you something right now. A lot of parents are intimidated by their children and they're afraid that they have to let their kids do certain things or they're never going to be able to control them. You put your foot down. Don't you fear losing your kids. I know when my dad gave up on me when I was uh, 16 years old, 17, just turned 17, I could tell he gave up on me. And, and even though I had been pushing the fence and pushing the fence and I had been doing some things I shouldn't have done, there was something in me yet that said, 
Dad, please don't give up on me. Don't think that I'm without hope. I didn't want him to give up on me. I would never have told him that, but I thought that, and, and I was a real fence pusher. So you see, the devil works against parents by trying to get them to give up on their children way too early. And uh, don't you give up. All right, now let's keep going here. Very important. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, and I love this passage because it describes the devil and it tells you the truth about him. Isaiah 14, 12, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? And he is going to be completely cast down. And listen to what verse 15 says. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, which is the pit, to the lowest depths of the pit. So he will be in the very lowest hell. Those who see you will gaze at you. In other words, they will look on. They won't be able to turn their faces away. They want to look. And they will consider you. In other words, they will take stock of you. And this is what they'll say. Is this the man? who made the earth to tremble? Is this the man who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? When people finally do see the devil, they're going to be absolutely shocked at how small and impotent he really is. They will realize then that he did most of his damage with his mouth. Let me tell you this. You are in a superior position and you can resist him if you do it with the word. Thank you for being with me during this series. We'll start a new one very shortly. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below. And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below or going to myfaithroots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.